Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 334. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by our sponsor for this podcast, Blueprint MCAT, and one of their amazing live online tutors. We are covering our friends up north, whom a lot of them live below where northern U.S. is, um, we're talking about MCAT prep for Canadians. Uh, obviously, uh, Canadian process is very, very, very similar to the U.S. process, and the MCAT is offered across the globe. Uh, I don't know if you knew that. The, the AAMC does do tests across the world uh, for students, international students who want to come to the U.S. to go to medical school, but Canadian medical schools also use the MCAT in their MCAT or in their med school admissions process. And we're going to talk about prepping for Canadians today. Before we jump in, though, go to blueprintmcat.com, sign up for their free account and get access to their study planner tool so that you know how to best prep based on your specific schedule. Go use that free study planner tool and lots of other resources over at blueprintmcat.com. George, welcome back to the MCAT podcast, eh? Hello, hey, hey. all righty, <laughs> we're going to go today, we're going to talk about some good old MCAT, right? <laughs> we're going to talk about the MCAT for Canadians, uh, George, which you are one of, and yeah. so I want to talk about the process for Canadians uh, who are taking the MCAT and the thought process uh, about MCAT prep, specifically for our friends up north. Who are not yes. really up north. There, there's a lot of Canadians that are <laughs> below below the northern uh, points of of the U.S. So um, I think it's actually like ninety percent. It's a large percentage. An yeah. hour of the border or something. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's wild. So so let's let's talk about it. Uh, you are Canadian yourself. Mm -hmm. um, yes. There, right off the bat, there are some big differences in Canada, right? There are yeah. a lot less schools than the States. Population yeah. is a lot less, so that makes a little bit of sense. Uh, <laughs> one of the biggest differences is there isn't rolling admissions in Canada. True. Uh, I mm -hmm. think that's across the board, no, no rolling admissions. Um, whereas in the U.S., most schools operate on a rolling admissions basis. Not everyone, but most. And the timeline is a little bit different, pushed back a little bit further into the year with applications. Um, there has always been this myth of Canadian medical schools that they're like, all they care about is the car section, right? And it's, <laughs> it's, it's a myth, but it's not a myth, right? It's, it's, um, yeah. There have been some schools that historically that's what they've cared about, 
But I would love yeah. to hear, it sounds like you have some, some up-to-date knowledge and, and information about the MCAT for Canadian schools. So let's, let's talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the I'll preface this by saying it, it, it'll be biased towards Ontario schools. So I applied in Ontario, I grew up in Ontario, and I focused almost exclusively on applying to schools in Ontario. But beyond Ontario, there aren't too many schools either. You know, there's some in Alberta, UBC, some spread across, you know, uh, central uh, Canada, some in the north and some on the east coast as well. But Really, the main thing with the MCAT and Canada is that there seems to be kind of a paradigm shift with how the MCAT's being used. Um, in recent years, there have actually been some schools where, and this is important for your own kind of decision planning of where you want to apply, but there has been a paradigm shift where some schools are using the MCAT more as a cutoff and less so as like the competitive ranking pre-interview score that it usually is uh, that we usually think of it right because we always think MCAT oh the higher the better the the higher percentile the better the number the better your pre-interview score the better your ranking all this kind of stuff but if we take University of Toronto as an example so where I'm currently based it's considered one of the best schools in Canada but it's also at the point where they're using the MCAT as a non-competitive cutoff and I think the let's let's explain what is, that means because when when sure. you were first explaining that to me I was like wait a minute that doesn't make sense you're you're what you're saying is there is a minimum threshold that students have yes. to meet above that it doesn't matter right as long as you meet the minimum we don't care about how high your score is as long as you meet the minimum for some schools that use yeah. this format right so at U of T as an example their their rule i think it's 125s across the board so you okay. hit a 500 they actually recently changed it and they say you're allowed one freebie of one 124 Ooh. So you can get 125, 125, and maybe your car scores a 124, and then you get a 125 again, right? That is, you can have a 499, and you apply to U of T. If they see that you hit those main thresholds, mm -hmm. they don't look at your MCAT score anymore. It's not used competitively. It makes no difference if you have a 499, you you hit those thresholds versus a 528. If you apply to U of T, they look at your other metrics. So if you go online, you can look at their admission stats and whatever it may be. They're looking at those, those extracurricular activities. They're looking at your letters. They're looking at your essays. They're looking at your ability to demonstrate all the qualities that they're looking for, right? And of course, that's a bit of an art in itself where it's like the cultural humility, the leadership, all those key things that they're looking for. And they call it like the can meds roles. Um, when it comes to, of course, that's more like the admission side. But when it comes to the MCAT, it's this idea that uh, some schools might not even use the MCAT at all, right? So University of Ottawa is an example, because they have a French and English stream. It's that idea that they want to keep it equitable. So because the French stream doesn't have an MCAT, the English stream doesn't either. And I actually had friend, uh, a really good mentor of mine who planned everything out in advance, you know, thinking of med school, it's stressful, all this, all that, planned out all his undergrad uh, activities. And he planned, he applied out a third year into the U Auto French stream, never even touched the MCAT, never wrote it, never thought about it. And it was like, that was his career goal. He's going to go to U Auto French stream, apply to third year and then get in. And he got in. He never had to write a single MCAT question, never had to open a prep book. And he figured it out. That's so much time that he saved for either himself or his, his career exploring opportunities. So it really comes down to knowing how Canadian schools use the MCAT is important. I've also had some friends because, you know, we talk about how cars is so important. Cars is so important. Some schools will only look at cars. They will only look at cars, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, McMaster is an example in Hamilton where they legitimately do not care what your biology score is, what your psych social score is, what your chemistry score is, they will only look at the one value. And so I've had friends who are like really good at reading that will go on test day, 
skip through the entire Kevin <laughs> section. See, 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 Literally, yeah. Like, completely go through it. Go to the cars section. Take the time. They're doing well. They feel good about it. Biochemistry, skip. Psych, social, skip. Send their score in. And they get, like, let's say a 132 in cars. And they get into McMaster. Right. And they have wow. a three year program. They don't actually have like summer. So it's an accelerated program. But if that's the career decision you want to make, it actually works out great in the grand scheme of things. You save that that time of learning all the content per se. And of course, you will still need to learn it in medical <laughs> sports. Like pick your boys and I suppose. But yeah. you save that time ahead of time where, you know, you just do well in the reading analysis and comprehension. You do the medical school, you fast track, you're done in three years and then you go on from there. Right. So it is important to, especially if you're Canadian, to really look at how are people going to use the score? I see on the Reddit's all the time. It's like, oh, the harder, the better, the higher, the better. If you know that all you really need is like, you know, what, I'm, I'm only applying to Toronto. I'm going to get my 500. I'm going to do what I need to do. I have a pretty good foundation. I don't need to worry too much about it. Get that 500 and worry about the other stuff. Worry about the ECs. Worry about the the letters. Worry about your essays. Those are the things that are going to get you in. So knowing how your school uses your MCAT score is especially important in Canada because sometimes it is used differently, but it varies by school. I, I know the student's going to be listening to this going, yeah, right. They care. <laughs> like, sure, they say on their website, right? Mm-hmm. Um uh, 500 is the threshold or 499. But if I get a 528, they're definitely going to rank me higher. Right? Students will say that. Yes. Um, and it depends again on where you look at, because let's say Queens, Queens is a bit of a black box, but they do have their minimum scores in each section. And then I don't know if Queens actually, the last time I remember when I was applying, Queens was like the one school that didn't really release their averages and sections and whatnot, which was really, really weird. But uh, Queens was somewhere where I got accepted into as well. And like, I had a really good MCAT score. And like, I guess they liked my interview and all the other stuff that came with it. But yeah. I have peers who had really good MCAT scores that didn't get into U of T. I had peers that had really like, Okay, MCAT scores like right on the money, 500, 501, 499. That got into U of T, right? Mm-hmm. So it's this matter of when they say it like in writing, if they literally tell you that their admission stats is that it's a non-legal cutoff, and I'm not making this up. There's videos that are published. It's on their website. They physically can't go behind the desk and be like, okay, JK, we're going to use this for anyway. <laughs> JK, <You> know, LOL. <laughs> Yeah, but like, but like, are you, are you though? Like, and I'll tell you even anecdotally, right? I don't have the exact admission stats on like the MCAT and stuff like that, but I have peers who scored very low and very high when, well, not very low, but like meet the cutoffs. Um, and then people who scored very high. And I've also, I have a lot of peers who scored very high that didn't get into certain schools. It really depends on what the school is looking for, but this is really full circle moment of the MCAT is really only one aspect of your application. It's yeah. an important aspect. You want to make sure that you hit the cutoffs with whatever direction you want to go. Um, I think even UBC, another, you know, great school as well they're they have a weird system where it's like it's a non-competitive cutoff for pre-interview scoring and then like more of a competitive cutoff for post-interview but at that point you think that the interview itself is weighed the most than anything right mm-hmm. they're not going to be like they couldn't speak for anything and no social <laughs> skills but they had a great mcat score let's put them in right? let's so do it that's like yeah let's do it right so it, it comes down to being very comfortable with thinking okay In Canada, there aren't as many schools to begin with. Think about where you want to apply, what your kind of outlook is, where you want to be, um, and then think about what do they look for. If it's U Ottawa and they don't need an MCAT score at all, right? Don't write the MCAT, right? If you want to keep your doors open, sure. It's always like, okay, get the high MCAT score, get what it is. But if you know that, you know, you you meet the criteria for all these other things, the extracurriculars, you're literally what the school is looking for maybe be strategic with your time because is it worth spending another three, 400 hours learning all this like general science, chemistry and all that kind of stuff? If you don't need it, 
this is just about it's not even a flex at that point it's like do something go and go on a trip enjoy your life like i spent two summers studying for this exam two summers so <laughs> the irony is that i honestly the, the the first year that u of t implemented the 124 cutoff was the the year i decided to rewrite so i remember i wrote the mcat twice the first year i did stellar in all the sciences but panicked in cars and got a 124. Mm-hmm. Most of my full lengths were 128, 129 in cars. And so it really, it was an anomaly on test day. And the second time I wrote, it, I got a 128. And like, you know, I bumped to like one point in each other section as well. Um, but overall, it's like, I technically did not need to rewrite my exam because yeah. that was the year that U of T changed their, their way of looking at uh, the MCAT, right? So could have had it an entire summer back, potentially. Could I have gone that trip to Europe? Potentially, we will never know. Instead, I was in the library studying during the pandemic. Actually, yeah. I was at home because that was the pandemic year. So I was in my mother's bedroom away from everyone else studying for the MCAT the second time. Yeah. Um, but it, it's really about knowing what you need to do to get to where you want to go. And sometimes it's not just about guns blazing, get the highest score possible. It's about being strategic with it, right? So you want to optimize your time as much as possible. I, I want to talk to the people at U of T and, and <laughs> talk to them about their process and why they're doing this. And um, because I think like my hope is that all schools do that, right? If you want yeah. to keep using the MCAT, great. Let's have a minimum threshold of 500 or whatever it is and say, this mm-hmm. is what you need to get to, to pass our screen. Beyond that, we throw it out. It's not part of our decision as, as long as you meet the mm-hmm. threshold. Uh, my assumption, because I'm, I'm a cynic, um, a skeptic, or uh, whatever word you want to use, uh, the AMC is not going to like that, right? Because all of those people yeah. getting 501, 502, 505s who are like, I need a 515 to get into med school, those are people who aren't going to be retaking the MCAT. Uh, and right. obviously, in the States, there are a lot more people taking Way the MCAT in Canada. And so that's probably a big revenue uh, drop for yeah, the sure. AMC. <laughs> if if they did that but on the flip side for schools that's probably a revenue bump for them more people submitting secondaries to those schools um with the potential hope uh, again assuming that they're truthful uh with their cutoffs and maybe it's a higher cutoff and and that's okay but i i I would love i would love i would love for schools to say hey our minimum threshold is 505 and then we throw it out yeah then we don't care uh whatever that is i think We've had this discussion before in the sense that like the caveat to this is that U of T, even though they have a non-competitive cutoff for the MCAT, the GPA is astoundingly high. Like I'm pretty sure the average GPA was like a 3.96 or something on a four scale. So (laughs) almost a perfect GPA. So that's, that's just to say like, and we've talked about this before of like, you know, at different institutions, maybe GPAs can get inflated. Is it really standardized across the board? At least the MCAT, it's like, it's the same kind of exam that everyone's writing. So maybe you did well at your institutions. That's not to make any digs at your institution, but the inflation is more controlled with something like the MCAT because it is standardized. It's it's written by the same people. It's marked by the same people. And so that's a challenge there where it's like, okay, well, maybe you got a 501 on the MCAT, but maybe at your institution, there wasn't as much inflation or like, you know, you got like a three point 
3.7 or a 3.5 instead of a 3.96. I don't know the circumstances, right? Uh, maybe it's like the first couple of semesters you didn't do as well. And like that really didn't you down. I don't know the circumstances. And so for some people, this might be a benefit of like, yeah, you did have a 4.0 GPA, but you also got like a 501. Now you have the opportunity to yeah. apply, but it's not necessarily to say, oh, I have a 501 and like, you know, a, a 2.8 GPA. Let, let me yeah. try applying to U of T. Like there's still other metrics in place that could still uh, present as a barrier. So yeah. um, I see what you're saying. And it's like, uh, it's tough to say because the MCAT is standardized at the end of the day. It is a barrier. I see all the barriers in the process. It's like, you look at the cost of prep courses and all this stuff in mind. It's like, there are boundaries and barriers that certain populations will have more difficulty accessing. And it's like, well, how do we work around it? Right. Cause even with something like GPA, it's like, you get a lot of differences and in inflation. So it's, it's not an easy topic. For sure. Yeah. And, and the flip side of that is students who have lower GPAs theoretically are relying on a, a much higher MCAT score to, right. To counter, counter, um, to yeah, to, to stand out. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, it's not perfect no matter how you look at it. Um, for, yeah. for other differences, Canadian MCAT wise, any, anything else? Mm-hmm. Trying to think here, trying to think. I mean, some schools don't use it. Some schools still use it very traditionally. Some schools, there's a paradigm shift towards it's like it's a cutoff. Um, The approach is still the same. You know, like there's just because we're in Canada, it's not a different exam. We write the same exam that the the people in the States do. Um, What about timing in the year? Yeah. The timing, so, oh, this is a great question. Because our application cycle is a little bit different in the sense that, like you mentioned, no rolling admissions. Um, I wrote my MCAT both times in like mid to late August, which okay. I feel would be blasphemy for a lot of the, <laughs> in the States, if you're trying to get ahead in rolling admissions and stuff. Yeah. But if you know that, let's say your application deadline, for a lot of like Ontario schools, it was October 1st, right? I think like McGill or something was like November 1st. UBC might've been like slightly earlier, but a lot of the deadlines are in the later fall. And so you plan it backwards of, well, if I know I'm applying on, let's say, October 1st, it does not matter if I get my application in on September 30th at 1158 p.m. Would not recommend in case the website crashes because it usually does. But it does not matter if you get your application in literally like two minutes before the deadline closes versus one month out. You will be treated the same as every other applicant. Now, what happens with that is how do you plan your MCAT, right? If you know you're planning, try to plan to submit like, a week before, a couple of days before, but then go backwards, right? Give it about a month before where it's like, or a couple of weeks. You always want to make sure you have your score and you have an idea of, okay, do I apply? Do I meet the minimums or whatever it may be? If you, let's say, take your exam, like I did on August 17th, for example, you're going to get your score on September 17th, like a month later, then you have a two week buffer period to make that final judgment of, okay, well, do I think I meet the minimums here? Do I think I'm competitive at, let's say Mac is my car score, my car score, for example, I got a rejection at Mac. I don't think I had enough points for that, but also I don't know if my essays, my ECs, like there's more to it than just their car score. Yeah. But um, when it comes to their average, I think their car's average is like a 129 or like a one, I don't remember if it was a 129 or 130 or something ballpark like that. And I had a 128 the second time I wrote it. So you're still below average. Below average doesn't mean you have no chance of getting in, right? It's all standard deviation and all that, right? So people do have below a 128, but for my application, they didn't see the things that they wanted to see from mm-hmm. my activities and my essays. And like, that's totally understandable as well. Um, I actually don't remember if I applied to math the second year. I'm trying to think. So it's probably like that. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, screw you. Like, <laughs> yeah, cars, I have three years, no summers. But um, ultimately it is about, you know, looking at your timelines, playing it all out. You have a lot more flexibility as a Canadian because you don't need to worry about getting it all done ahead of the time. And you also have the flexibility to study for the MCAT over the summer, which is a huge luxury that a lot of the students that I teach right now in the live course, 
it's such a challenge to learn the MCAT alongside your coursework from like January to April and try to test in April so you can get your score and get your application in. I cannot imagine that. That would be so stressful. So I'm really grateful as a Canadian that I was able to start studying around like April, May, put in a few months, like even though I was working full-time research, I didn't have to concurrently study for any of my classes, midterms, like exams, anything like that, I could focus mostly on the MCAT. And then that was like, um, a re that was a gift in a lot of ways where come late August, write the MCAT, send off the score, get it back a month later when all my essays and stuff are done, touch it up, send it off. And then now I'm in the same pool as everyone else, right? I think the concept of rolling admissions, like I get why they do it because it's just more efficient. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, I cannot, I've always been a bit of a chronic procrastinator. So trying to get something done like ahead of time, that would have been such a mind, um, like it would have messed with me uh, in a lot of ways. So a lot of sympathy for everyone out there on rolling admissions. Good luck on the secondaries or whichever stage you're at right now, but uh, uh, definitely important things to keep in mind. All right, so there you have it again. Canadian MCAT prep. I hope this was helpful. If you are a friendly Canuck up north, <laughs> good luck on your MCAT test and getting into a Canadian medical school. And don't forget, you can come down and hang out with us as well. Um, and if you need some help on getting into medical school, that's what we do day in and day out at Medical School HQ. We do advising for students one-on-one. -on -one. Go check us out at medicalschoolhq.net slash advising. This is MedEd Media.